welcome to the Mama Matters podcast. Whether you're expecting, you've recently given birth, or you're just starting along your fertility journey, it's time to get down to the nitty gritty and sort fact from fiction. I'm your host, Rosie Dumbrell, physiotherapist and pregnancy expert. Mama Matters aims to provide an easily digestible, up-to-date and evidence-based approach to pregnancy, birth and motherhood with a side dose of humour along the way. Interviews from the industry's leading experts and experience of my own adventures as a mother to three gorgeous boys under four. I want to share the stuff that helps to grow confidence throughout motherhood. Mama Matters is a podcast by Lenny Rose Active and this is what you can expect to hear in upcoming episodes. I'm always like if you can go a gradual approach where you're slowly reducing feeds always take preference to that you know because then you're not getting these massive hormonal fluctuations changes withdrawals from what you're used to because you know that's just a whole another kettle of fish and then of course returns the period and you know then you've got a whole another <laughs> wave of hormones to deal with hi guys welcome back I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing the most uh, amazing and very, very informative Jen Butler, chatting all things weaning from breastfeeding. So Jen is a registered nurse, a midwife, a maternal and child health nurse, an international board certified lactation consultant, certified sleep consultant, and a circulative security parenting facilitator. She also got her own uh, podcast, the Early, Early Parenting Podcast, and is a mum to soon to be three Bugs. She's got two beautiful boys for the third on the way due later this year. <laughs> um, so I am really, really uh, privileged to have been able to grab some of her time to share her wealth of knowledge. Welcome back, Jen. <laughs> Good to be back again, chatting again. <laughs> yes, we'll just start uh, chatting the uh, the ups and downs of podcasting when you're heavily pregnant. and <laughs> It's good to get a, a bank of uh, episodes up. So thank you so much for lending your time and your expertise today. <laughs> My pleasure. Glad to be here. <laughs> so we're chatting today uh, just as a briefer episode today, but I wanted to get your uh, expertise on uh, breastfeeding and particularly around uh, weaning from breastfeeding. So um, we've got a heap of episodes already up on the potty that sort of relate to more uh, breastfeeding education with the beautiful uh, Maternal Instincts by Amberly or Amberly Harris. Um, so there's heaps up on that, but I wanted to talk more about weaning in particular. So can you just sort of, we'll just sort of start with a roundabout, like what sort of, um, what signs might there be? Uh, you know, obviously weaning can come from the mother's decision to do so, or it can come from the baby side sort of showing signs and symptoms that they're just not really interested anymore. So can we maybe start on the mother's side? What are the sort of, what are you seeing clinically or what have you seen clinically around reasons for wanting to wean or needing to wean and what um, the sort of experience has been like for your, your mothers doing that? Mm, great question and I guess it is so, so varied in why women will want to like I mean in the very early days when we're looking at when women are trying to establish breastfeeding I'd say probably the two biggest reasons why women choose to wean is because they've got damaged nipples like you know something they have been faced with breastfeeding issues that have led to, to their decision to go I can't do this <laughs> physically, mentally, all of those things. Um, and the other one is either perceived or real low supply. So, you know, we could talk about that in its 
whole, I actually um, have an episode coming up on that on my podcast about that whole difference between perceived versus real low supply. Mm. So they were in the early days of the two biggest like triggers, I would say. Mm. Other causes for why women might choose to wean is that they're returning to work, although disclaimer that most workplaces should be accommodating to you being able to continue to pump and maintain that supply while you're away. Um, but some women just choose to decide that it's time for them to wean at that point. It can be family pressures. So however that looks, like a family can be putting on the pressure for a mum to wean for like a lot of different reasons. It can be medical reasons. There is there's not a lot of medication that isn't compatible with breastfeeding, but there is some. Uh, and when like for whatever reason if you were on a certain medication that was a conversation you obviously have with your doctor pharmacist all those things at the time but that would be one of the biggest that, that like that not that wouldn't be one of the biggest because it's not a lot of medication that does that but it is contributing to some of the reasons why a woman might choose to wean and like I think the final one would be is that she's just ready like I know I guess the reason why I weaned my second son I fed him for 12 months and then I just, I was just ready. Like the way I described it, I just wanted my body back to myself. That's how I described it. Um, and he was probably showing signs too. Whereas my first son, he, yeah, when we talk about the like baby's reasons to wean, he was probably more in that category. So when we're looking at baby's reasons why they wean is they start to show, they might just start to show disinterest in actually spending time at the breast. And that can be sort of, you know, you could be trying with all you might, but they're just sort of busy crawling off or, you know, going elsewhere to do it. I know for my son, Max, my eldest, he, uh, every time he was teething, he really didn't like to be at the breast. And like, funnily enough, he'd be happy to take a bottle at that time. I could have persisted, but I also at the same time allowed things to just happen the way they did from his, you know, my milk, I guess I never had a fantastic supply with Max to begin with. So it didn't take much of those exposures to him teething and then being off the breast for him to like it to then impact our supply. Like I said, I could have persevered, but I kind of just went with what was going on at the time. Mm -hmm. So they would be the biggest reasons across mum and baby's point of views around why weaning might happen what about um like nipple confusion and obviously when we're like giving bottle fed as well as um breastfed and like you know I'm someone who uh you know I've learned over the course of a number of (laughs) babies now but I pumped heavily from very early on with my first two to the point where I had a stupid ridley oversupply and then they were colicky and I couldn't figure out why so I'm just like squirting them with breast milk everywhere and um (laughs) but um you know, like I had, I got a lot of criticism, like, you know, what about if they, I'm like, get confused and like, well, my kids just didn't have any of those signs. Um, but then later on, I probably weaned earlier than what I would have liked to because um, they were so used to having a bottle of expressed milk that they, and my supply had gone down by, you know, once I stopped pumping like a crazy, um, you know, milk factory. And, um, you know, then they actually refused my breast, my breast, the boat, all three of them have done that to, at, a, at a point in time. And I'm just like, okay, well, well that's enough now. But I, I would have liked to have lasted longer. 
Um, but that happened. Can you talk a little bit about um, your nipple confusion, which is obviously more of or something that we can be concerned about early on, um, but yeah. I feel like it almost kind of happened quite late for us as well and the preference mm. for bottle because the flow was faster. And that's exactly what it comes down to is it can happen at any point. I think we talk about a lot, like there's a lot of um, talk about trying not to confuse newborn babies with it from early on. While, like, And the biggest thing around that point is when you're establishing your feeding. So in the first six well, particularly the first six weeks through to the first 12 weeks is the most crucial time for building your supply. And that's why I didn't, I had, you know, we had tongue and lip ties and things that stopped us with my first son, Max, that really got in the way of building that beautiful abundant supply. And yeah, so the, the photo, like we wherever possible in those first 12 weeks, we want to be offering the baby the breast as often as possible to build that supply. And so that's where there's such a focus on the whole nipple confusion. Let's make sure that they know that they're feeding from the breast and giving as much exposure in that first six to 12 weeks so you can build a beautiful supply. So that's where the emphasis lies and why we talk so much about it in those early weeks. But the reality is, is there can, there's, always room for them to take a preference to the bottle and it's as you said like it's just easier for them and I think that if I probably reflect on when Max was weaning when he was teething like I said I could have ridden out those fussy times at the breast where he was refusing it and got back there I could have but you know, like that, the decision I made at the time was, and probably like you, where you sort of like, all right, you know, this is, this is it. Like, yeah. and you could like, you know, anything's possible. I think that's a big thing is that we can always, even for a young baby that's got nipple confusion, you can get them back on there. You can, it's all just about having support. I think making sure that you do get the right support in place and having a game plan that you're willing to stick to, like having a great, um, yeah, that motivation to go, all right, we're going to get through this. But like I said, you know, and even I can talk about that is I just couldn't be like, couldn't be bothered, but I was, I was content. I was happy that this is where we were at. And I was happy for him to have the bottle by then. He was about nine months by that point. So yeah, I think that nipple confusion is possible at any point in the journey and whether you want to work on getting them back to being breastfed, it is always possible. It just depends on how you feel. Awesome. Okay. And what about, um, I wanted to sort of touch on like what, uh, if you are uh, weaning, like um, obviously we know the, the WHO recommendation is that we um, breastfed breastfeed complementarily up until the age of two but the stats are pretty low on that in terms of the number of women that sort of make it that long so we're often weaning for social pressures for work reasons um it might be for I know, some women's weight really plummets when they breastfeed and some women mm-hmm. gain a lot of weight. And, you know, so either way, like those things can really impact a woman's decision to continue breastfeeding, I'm sure. And just there's a sort of fatigue element, like sometimes mm-hmm. it's just so exhausting. So, you know, there is just so many reasons and everyone really needs to do what's right for them. Yeah, so there's so, obviously so many reasons that, um, that will be woman-led and I feel like yeah. that's probably more common than that lasting it out to that two, three years plus um, in society. And so what can a woman expect to experience in terms of symptoms? Like, you know, our form is such a hormonally driven uh, thing. Um, Yeah, how might they be feeling when they're sort of weaning from breastfeeding? 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, and and I think that it's as you said. There's the hormones, like that, because there's going to be a massive withdrawal of the hormones that maintain breastfeeding, depending on how quickly. Like, I think, like when I talk to families too about weaning, I'm always like, if you can go a gradual approach where you're slowly reducing feeds always take preference to that, you know, because then you're not getting these massive hormonal fluctuations, changes, withdrawals from what you're used to, because, you know, that's just a whole another kettle of fish. And then of course, returns the period and, you know, then you've got a whole another <laughs> wave of hormones to deal with. I think it's very much the psychosocial side of it too when you're weaning I had a consult before this and I literally like mum's returning to work wanting to maintain breastfeeding but you know we talked we talked about that those feelings of how it is shifting and how it is changing so it's about what's going on for you like if it's something that has happened quite organically like I don't think I ever shed a tear over you know the fact that weaning happened for us I don't think I don't remember doing that I think I'll probably be different this time if it's my last pregnancy my last time breastfeeding I think I'll be yeah a lot more emotional about it whether that like that's always going to be influenced by hormones but it's also just that you know our like that knowing in that the mourning I think the grief that some women it's like this can happen too for a mum who is hell-bent on breastfeeding and does everything in her power to try and successfully breastfeed and it just doesn't work and is forced into weaning so you know that like the feelings that go on and I mean how rampant is the conversation around women who formula feed versus breastfeeding usually that debate comes from like the mums who are getting upset over the talk about breastfeeding is because deep in their soul they really wanted to breastfeed or or they on the other hand they took a stance and said no I actually don't I bloody hated it and I didn't want to do it and so feel quite defensive about you know, um, talking about, you know, when it, when people are blasting your face as if it's like that judgment that because you didn't fed is like fed is best versus breast is best, all of those sorts of things. So, I mean, there's just so many emotions that go on with it, I think. And it depends on the circumstance, like, you know, in which you've been faced with, like, has this been a decision you've chosen? If so, the emotions are probably not going to be too high. Were you forced into this decision or is it something that you really strongly felt against doing for whatever reason? Like, yeah, there is so much psycho psychosocial stuff that actually goes into breastfeeding. Like it deserves its whole, whole episode on its own. <laughs> well, I think but, probably, yeah. Oh, honestly. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, there's also like, we have this beautiful production of like oxytocin when we're breastfeeding and then, um, you know, and some of the hormones that help us to feel calm and content. Um, yeah. And then we suddenly get rid of those and, and we, you know, I certainly have noticed a big change in my mood. Um, yeah, when I absolutely. Stopped, um, breastfeeding as well. And so I guess if we know that it's going to be potentially tough and we um, to look out for these signs and it might be a time where we know we might need to get some extra support and chat to someone such as yourself or um, a counsellor or if we're sort of really struggling with that sort of psychosocial emotional element of the breastfeeding cessation. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Because yeah, as you said, if once you aren't having all those wonderful hormones that maintain breastfeeding, like oxytocin, which is the feel-good hormone, and then you're also getting the return of the like the changes in hormones that happen around cycling through your period, it's like, yeah, it's a double whammy hormonal recipe 
for massive shifts in mood. Mm, yeah. Along with all the other stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, reaching out for support. Is that probably your number one sort of tip there? Um, you know, getting yeah. your partners. I think so. And, and, you know, it's interesting because what support looks like is like, it might not be support can look like in weaning around how do I wean? How do I do this properly? Like having a good, uh, a weaning plan that helps to make the journey gradual and less of a shock to the body. Um, but support can also look like if you are struggling with your mood, then it's about support in looking after your mental health, you know, and supporting that. And that might not necessarily mean that it's about talking with a psychologist or a counselor of some sort. Like if things are bad enough, that absolutely needs to be a conversation to be had, but it can also just be, about getting support to help to reduce the triggers for the low mood and things like that. So, you know, if part of your low mood is also associated with sleep deprivation, it's about looking into how you can get more sleep. So whether that's, is it baby that's not help, you know, that's preventing you from sleeping or are you not sleeping for other reasons because of anxiety or, you know, worries in yourself, you know, so exploring that and who in your household can allow you to get a little bit more rest so that you're able, because we know that there is a massive correlation between sleep deprivation and mood. So it's kind of like supporting the other areas in your life because, Eventually, hormonal, everything will regulate with you in time. It will, you know, when that happens is hugely variable. But in the meantime, it's looking at the other areas that, you know, like if you think about the hormonal, you know, everything settling down in that sense is a little bit out of your control. It's all happening in the body and it's going to happen when it needs to. If you can look at the other aspects of, of your life that are in your control and looking at ways to make those aspects easier, then that's how you can sort of support yourself through the weaning process outside of just having a good plan on weaning. It's again, looking at that social side of it in what else can help to support you during that weaning process. Mm, Okay. So yeah, it's weaning gradually if possible. And then, you know, making sure or just being aware that you you might feel pretty crappy. It might be a teary and emotional and hormonally driven time and to put some other systems in place, whether it's some help with the feeding. Um, you know, my husband will always do like a sort of late feed with a bottle, usually at about that's between 10 and 12, even early on. And then we just have that. And then I can go to bed early and get four or five hours in a stretch. And, and you know, that's been a really great way that we've been able to, to you know, he's been able to support me to get a bit more sleep and um, just putting things like that in place um, as much as possible. Mm. Uh, my husband did exactly the same I loved that and I'll do it again this time is you know early on in that piece is expressed milk into the bottle and you go off to bed and get some consolidated sleep and you can get a heat in the freezer too we end up with a massive store in the freezer which is just makes it so easy to get some help so um I know you've got to go can we just have like 30 seconds on what about the children that um you know are sort of getting on in their sort of breastfeeding age. I can think of a beautiful dear friend of mine whose kid's three and she desperately wants to finish up and she's really struggling. And, you know, obviously when a child is over that 12-month age, it can be quite an emotional um, thing for them. Are there a couple of tips you can just throw us uh, for helping them manage the, the weaning process? 
Absolutely. Like the, the one thing I will say, like, because toddlers, it is hard because it's not, it's not just about the milk now. It is the emotional connected, like, you know, connection with you. It's usually there an association with them to soothe themselves. So it's, it can be a tricky process. It's kind of like when you get rid of the dummy for a baby who like, or a toddler who has had the dummy and they don't know how, they don't know how to settle themselves in any other way yet understanding that it is going to be a transition and that might be difficult. That's my number one thing. And it doesn't mean you have to go back and go, all right, well, here's the breast or here's the dummy. But what I would say, like, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about the dummy because that's a different approach, but when it comes to feeding, I always suggest choosing one feed at a time and being really clear and communicate. Like the good thing about toddlers is you've got communication up your sleeve. They understand what you're talking about. They might fight it. There's no doubt about it. There still might be tears and resistance, but it is okay for you to set these boundaries. It's okay for you if this is something that you want to do. And yes, there'll be a transition period where they're not happy, but rules are rules. It's that it's about being clear in those boundaries and following through. So, but, but it, the most gentle way you can do it is picking one feed at a time. So you might decide that when you start the day, and I'm always like, don't choose the feed that's the most loved. So if that's the before, bed feed if they're all loved well you're just gonna have to pick one (laughs) but if there's one that you sort of like you know that they could give or take and they sort of just do it for a bit of fun then it is about just being really clear in going all right you know no booby and it's about using very familiar terminology no booby and not making it easily accessible to you so like you know (laughs) you might need to wear big zip up wetsuits or something for a period (laughs) of time (laughs) yeah straight jacket make it hard to get to and understand that they might get upset and they might you know you'll feel like the easiest thing to do right now is to just give them what they want but in order for you to progress you have to be the bigger wiser stronger kinder parent that's a bit of a circle of security reference there where it is okay to take charge and to say, no, booby, we're not doing booby. Mummy will get you some a cup of milk or a cup of water or something and good old distraction would be my other one too is wherever possible, you know, be clear, say, no, we're not having booby. I know that's upsetting. Hey, let's go outside and look at the rainbow outside, you know, something to try and get their mind off things and in time, like with that persistence, it, they will get past that. <laughs> Poor little tackers, but yeah, I mean, I know. You know, there is a point at which, you know, probably enough is enough on the other end of the spectrum. So. <laughs> yeah. And it is, I think the biggest thing is knowing it is okay for a parent to say, like you can be child-led and then get to a point where you're like, all right, enough's enough, kiddo. I need to do this for me. And that's okay too. Like we don't always have to take our child's lead. We can actually take charge and make our own boundaries and decisions and just, you know, they might not like it, but that's okay too. There's going to be plenty of scenarios in life where they don't like things and it's just that lesson of going, yeah, it sucks, doesn't it? Putting a word to it. This has turned into a bit of an emotions talk, hasn't it? But it's that I know it's frustrating that you can't get milk, but mummy's got you some a cup of milk or some water and then let's go outside for a play. You know, they still feel heard and validated even if they're not getting their way. Yeah, and obviously we're, you know, very, very pro-breastfeeding and I'm pro-breastfeeding for as long as it, you know, you can and as long as it's working. But I also do think it's that cost versus benefit relationship and um, you need to look at all factors. So, yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jen, for your time. I'm sorry I've kept you a minute over. You can um, maybe... 
tell your client that you had an annoying, um, <laughs> overbearing... Rosie, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Not at all. I actually still even have a bit of time for lunch. <laughs> oh, great. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jen. I do really appreciate um, you coming on and giving me your time. And um, I'll make sure um, all that stuff in the show notes. And I might just harass you by email if there's any sort of particular, like the links again, if that's okay. So I can... Yeah the links up um anything else that you want to promo as well i've got your website and your insta and everything yeah, but I'll, I'll send you through these links for the happy baby code waiting list i'd say that's probably the most relevant thing that sort of links in with what we've spoken about today so that's awesome so thanks so much for tuning in again guys i really do hope that you have enjoyed the couple of episodes with jen she's such a wealth of knowledge and you know not only has the experience in her clinical life but also as a mum herself so um yeah so invaluable to have shared these chats with her you can find her over on her website jenniferbutler.com.au on instagram she is jen butler early parenting and you can listen to her podcast which is the early parenting podcast and i'll make sure i pop the link to the wait list for her membership in our show notes i'm sure she will uh be sharing when the doors are open again to that too so i'm sure it's such a great support network for new and even seasoned uh, parents because every bug's different <laughs> every situation every time is different so as always if you're loving what you're listening to please give us a shout out on your socials we would be so so grateful if you could subscribe and send us a review and i may or may not have had baby number four by now but um I'll definitely be sharing the news of that with you shortly. So um, can't wait to find out if it's a boy or a girl. Seems like such a long wait, but um, worth the surprise. (laughs) All right, guys, I'll speak to you soon. Have a great day. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Lenny Rose Active, Australian-owned, three-times mum and physiotherapist-designed luxe, active and technical wear for the pregnancy to motherhood journey. You can find us on lennyroseactive.com.au or on Instagram at Lenny Rose Active.